Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, please, very quickly to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. Members, if you look around you, if someone next to you doesn't have a Bible, I just want to have you share your Bible with them, and I want to give you a devotional thought tonight before we leave. Thank you for coming for the Christmas Eve service. And we know that there's a, a lot of events going on and family things, and maybe some of you have a family event after this, and we want to encourage you just to just enjoy yourself. Have a wonderful Christmas, but we want to give you a, just a Christmas message tonight before we leave to help encourage us before you probably, some of you open your presents tonight and things like that. If you're new to Heritage Baptist Church, welcome tonight to our services. And uh, maybe your first time to a midweek service, thank you for coming tonight. And a lot of our members are kind of out of town right now, so we're thankful you came. I wasn't really sure who's going to show up tonight, but we're thankful that you're here this evening, and we do encourage you to come back and visit with our church on our Sunday for our Sunday morning and Sunday night services. The book of Isaiah, chapter 9, Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 9, and uh, Lord willing, we're going to start a series from that on Sunday mornings here on, on uh, that'll be a blessing, help to us as we look at some prophecy there in the book of Revelation on Sunday nights. Isaiah, chapter 9, would you look with me, verses 6 and 7, and follow as I read the scriptures tonight. Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Great Christmas verses this evening. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Father, tonight, thank you on this Christmas Eve, we celebrate an event that happened over 2,000 years ago. It doesn't grow stale. It doesn't get rusty. It doesn't get old. We thank you, we celebrate when our, your, our Savior, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, came into this world by way of a virgin. We thank you that he came into this world to be the sacrifice for the sins of this world. We thank you tonight, we celebrate his entrance where God was manifest in the flesh, where Jesus came into this world. And tonight, we pray this, we humble our hearts to you that you'd settle our thoughts and hearts on the greatness of this manifestation. Please give understanding tonight as we look at the subject that's found in verse 6 about Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Father, we pray for peace in lives where there's upheaval, where there's darkness, where there's turmoil, where there's stress, where there's worry, there's anxiety, where there's fears. And tonight we pray that the Prince of Peace will be very real in each heart and life. Well, thank you for this now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Most, if not all of you, are familiar with what's called the Nobel Peace Prize. And as you know that we have, since the inception of the world, we've had skirmishes and wars that are ongoing. Right now, there's probably about 200 plus different wars going on, if you can believe that, in different parts of the world. And uh, many years ago, somewhere around 1901, 1902, a man by the name of Alfred Nobel, you're familiar with his name, he created five categories of no notoriety for global recognition. And of those categories, he did annually, we recognize people for accomplishments in the area of chemistry, the area of literature, the area of physics, the area of medicine or physiology, and in the area of peace. And I was doing some research there, and it's kind of, kind of interesting, the number of men and women who have been awarded the Nobel Peace Prize uh, over the years for just having made some accomplishments and ha helping to just uh, encourage people in the area of peace. And back in 2011, 
They made the statement, they, at the announcement of the annual designation by the Nobel Foundation, they made the statement about the person who would receive the Nobel Peace Prize. They said the person who they came to that conclusion who should receive it is a person who has done the most or the best work for fraternity between nations, for the abolition or reduction of standing armies, and for the holding and promotion of peace congregants. Now, when we think about that, we, we, we celebrate someone like Alec Walesa who helped um, you know, to, to promote peace, if you will, whether we agree with them or not, or someone like a Nelson Mandela in South Africa who helped promote it because they felt like there was just, uh, there, there was, you know, just a division among groups of people. But I want to say something about all those peace brokers, those, those, peace, those peacemakers. As good as they were in what they did, they are not the prince of peace. They were peace brokers, but there's only one prince of peace. And Jesus Christ tonight, as we look at chapter 9, verse 6, is called the prince of peace. And this evening we see a wonderful description a beautiful description of Jesus Christ, these names given to him that designate or speak about his attribute of who he is. You'll notice as we look in our scripture this evening that in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah 9 is a, is a prophecy of our Lord's coming, and he speaks about our Lord Jesus Christ and what he means to us at Christmas time. Notice, if you would, in verses 1 and 2, and Isaiah speaks to us about the condition of the world. He talks about that, the, that it was a, a time of darkness and dimness. He speaks about it as a time when there, when there was just more questions than there were answers. And as we understand the, the scriptures when it was written at the time, that King Ahaz was the king over all of Judah. King Ahaz was not a good king. Now he had a sons later on that were good men. He had a son by the name of Hezekiah, who was one of the great kings of Israel. But King Ahaz, as we look at his legacy, there, were not of any, there weren't any good things that he accomplished. During that time, Israel became confederate or joined forces with Syria, and Israel was actually was the enemy of Judah. There were, the kingdom was split. There was Israel and Judah. And so there was just, it was a very dark time in the nation of Israel and a very dark time in the nation of Judah. 65 years from that point of time, Israel would cease to exist as a nation. They would be overtaken by the Assyrians. And of course, we, we know the story about that. And the nation of Israel became known as Samaria there. Wars, turmoil, captivity, upheaval, resettlement, and different world powers came all into place here. So at this time, we look at chapter 9, verse 1. It was a time of dimness and darkness. But then, Isaiah doesn't pause on the darkness and dimness. Isaiah takes some time here, if you'll notice, from verses 2 to 7, and talking to us about what Jesus Christ did for this world. Now, when we think about Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, we must look at him as the Son of God. We must see him as he is in eternity past. In Luke chapter 2, verses 9 and 11, the, it says here when Jesus was born that the angel of the Lord came and appeared to, uh, to some shepherds. And it says this in Luke chapter 2, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were afraid. Notice as we look at that, it tells us in, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. In the midst of all that darkness, Jesus' entrance to this world brought light at a time of darkness. May I encourage you tonight that maybe there's some dark clouds in your life right now. Maybe there's some dark situations you're facing. I've been kind of working through the last couple days and just helping some 
some situations in our church right now. There's a very dark time in some, several families. And yet we're thankful that in spite of these dark times, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And he talks about this light. And then notice in verse 3, he talks about joy. He says, Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. He talks about where there was a, there was a hesitation of joy, and then great joy came. And as we read Luke chapter 2, reminded that the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, in spite of your difficulties, in spite of your tar- the hard times you face, you can know joy. The joy that a Christian has is something that's lasting, that is enduring, that fadeth not away. Joy is contentment we can't describe. It's beyond happiness. Joy is the peace we have in Jesus Christ. It's the happiness and contentment that he gives our heart. It's that joy, you, it's, that, it's that feeling of contentment you can have even though everything around you feels like it's falling apart. And you can experience it by knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus told us in John chapter 15, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. God wants us to have joy. He wants us to be rejoicing evermore there. And so Isaiah talks about here in verses, verses 1 and 2 about this light. In verse 3, he talks about the joy. But now we work our way down. And he talks about here some things about the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. He announces the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice as we look at verse 6, verse 6 and verse 7 summarize for us the reason why Jesus Christ came. It summarizes for us the Christmas story. Notice he says, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Now as we look at this, we're still in the introduction. Notice he speaks about the person of Jesus Christ. He says, unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Now, in that one phrase there, we see the remarkableness of Jesus' entry into the world. Unto us a child is born. Isaiah speaks to us about the humanity of Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, Jesus Christ was born in this world with flesh and blood, just like you and, my, you and me. He was born with flesh and blood. He experienced hunger. He experienced uh, being tired and weary. He experienced sorrow. He went through the valleys like you and I. He experienced anything you have gone through or will go through he has gone through that. He wept at the funeral of someone that he loved. He rejoiced at people's weddings. He experienced those moments where the, there was righteous indignation against sin and things of that nature. But we see here, Jesus Christ, it says, unto us a child is born. He came into this world just like you and I. He came by way of a human birth. The Bible said, or the songwriter said, we sang this song tonight, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. God came in flesh so that we could see him. God came in flesh so that we could experience him. The Bible says in John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten the Father, full of grace and truth. When John wrote that, he said, we got to experience God in the flesh. He was living, he was living flesh through Jesus Christ. He became the living word. He, the word walked among us here. He was the mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh. He was what Paul called in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, God in Christ. I like how it talks about the deity of Christ and his humanity and his deity in Romans 8, 3, because the Bible says this, for what the law could not do in that it was weak, 
through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh. Now, I didn't preach on that this year, but Romans 8, 3 is a great verse detailing for us the deity of Jesus Christ. So first of all, we see Christ and his humanity in his person. But notice in verse 6, we see Jesus Christ and his deity. Unto us a son is given. What son are we talking about? We're talking about the Son of God. We're talking about God's Son coming into this world. Not any Son, but God's Son. The Son of God. The Son of the Highest. The only begotten of the Father. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter two, verses two, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Listen to this. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now here's what he's saying there. Jesus Christ, being the brightness of God's glory, came into our world. This sin-cursed world, the Son of God came into. And yet he was still maintained all of the all of his attributes as God, co-equal with God, co-eternal with God, co-essential with God. Jesus Christ and the Father are one the same. We see Jesus Christ in his person, the son who is given and the child who is born. But we see secondly, we not only see that, but secondly, you notice we see he's personal. Would you notice that phrase, unto us? Jesus came for you. Jesus came for me. He came personally. He was, God's, he was God's gift to you and I on that morning he was born for our salvation unto us. He, he says it twice. He wanted, didn't want us to get away from the fact that Jesus came to minister to us. God wants you and me to have a personal relationship with him. Did you know even a little child can have a personal relationship with God? Did you know tonight as a new believer you can have a relationship with God? Did you know tonight as someone that maybe you haven't, you haven't been very close to God, you can have a personal relationship with God this Christmas. Unto us, fathom that thought, unto us, Jesus Christ, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. But then he goes on by saying in verse 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And then notice he talks about, about the government of Jesus Christ's kingdom. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. In other words, you know, we, we have to depend upon the government for doing a lot of things. Uh, a few weeks ago, the street light, the street light on my, on my street went out. And so I took down the number, and, uh, and I tried to email them, but their email wasn't working, so I wanted to make a phone call there, and I said, hey, I need to get the street light on. It's very dark on my street at night if we don't get the street light on. And I was thankful they took care of it the same day, and the lady had emailed me. I said, well, you know, they took care of it, and she emailed me, says, I want to let you know we sent somebody out. I said, well, they came out yesterday, took care of it, and the light's on. Thank you very much for doing your job and, and being right on top. That's a blessing there. And, uh, you know, but if the government didn't do that, that'd be a problem. I'm thinking about where my father lives in Oakland for four years years straight, I've called the city of Oakland, and I said, hey, you know, you've got this tree here right in front of the yard, and, uh, you know, the, and the roots are pushing up, and the sidewalk, the sidewalk's coming up, and I said, it's a liability. Someone's going to fall and get hurt. They're going to sue the city, and you're going to be in trouble. I've told them that for four years, and the lady even said to me, she said, Pastor Fong, she said, I even have here in the record here that you called us to two, the two, two or three previous years and asked to do that. I don't know why they don't send somebody out there. Well, you know, I, you know, I'm not, I, I get a little frustrated with that, but, but you know what? The Bible says here that the government's on its shoulder. He has a kingdom that will not fail. He has a government that's right on target about everything he does there. And I want you to notice some things here. As he says that, he talks about the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, don't miss this for Christmas time. Christmas time, we get excited about seeing Christmas decorations, and we get excited about seeing streets where everybody on the street has lined up their streets with, with decorations and lighting, and those are great things. And maybe some of you will go to places like that. There's a street somewhere in Alameda where I know that they, they have something like that. I forget the street name, and there's probably some places in other parts of the Bay Area. 
and we get excited about that, but listen tonight, you ought to get excited about the glory of Jesus Christ, amen? I mean, we ought to get excited about Christ here, because he says here, unto, he says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder. Then he says, his name. Now, if you want to know who Jesus Christ is, you need to spend some time meditating and thinking about his name, because his name embodies his attributes. His name tells us what he does. His name tells us who he is. His name tells us how glorious he is, and we can rejoice in that. Notice we see his prudence mentioned. It says, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, in the original, wonderful counselors, all one and the same. It's talking about one who is supreme in his wisdom. When you think about a counselor, you think of someone who you rely upon for good advice. In the Old Testament time, counselors had to be very wise. Counselors could not make a mistake in what they said. If they gave bad advice, their, their credibility would be shot. Can I tell you something? Jesus Christ never gives you bad advice. Jesus Christ is the summation of all wisdom. The Bible says in Colossians 1.24, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. First Corinthians one twenty four. excuse me. And then 1 Corinthians one thirty says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and, 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 uh, and redemption. You can trust the counsel of God. Think with me tonight, wonderful counselor. Maybe right now you're in a situation where you're just trying to determine what am I supposed to do and where am I supposed to go and how am I gonna get it done? Well, I wanna tell you tonight, Jesus Christ is wonderful counselor. He won't, miss, he won't mess you up. He won't give you the wrong direction. He might tell you to wait a little bit. He might even tell you no, but he's always gonna steer us in the right way. We see Jesus Christ and his prudence, but we see Jesus Christ and his power. Notice his name not, shall also not be called Wonderful Counselor, but his name is called the Mighty God. Now that, that's something great there tonight. You can bank on the fact our Savior is mighty, amen? He's a mighty God. He's not a puny God. He's not a weak God. He's not gonna be like some electronics you're gonna get for Christmas that become obsolete a year from now. You know, you get, you remember the first iPhone that came out, right? The iPhone, now what are we at now? iPhone 11, iPhone 12. Hey, they're gonna keep adding iPhones. They're gonna just, you know, your iPhone becomes outdated. My wife looked at my phone a few months ago. She said, honey, you need to update your phone. You're not up to speed. I said, I know that. I'm just waiting or not. I just, I just, I hate to transfer all the information. One of these days I'll get to that. And she's right, it is outdated a little bit there. But you know what? Jesus Christ never is outdated. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. He's there for you in your trial. And maybe this year you didn't have to go to him for great power in your life but maybe in 2020, you're gonna need that mighty God to work in your behalf. He's the mighty God. In Hebrew, the Hebrew name is El Gibor. And Gibor means literally a mighty warrior or champion. Notice in the previous passage in verse five, it says for every battle of the warrior. Well, he talks about defeats and, and, and conflicts. And of course, Israel and Syria became confederate and were fighting with Judah. So that was fresh in Isaiah's mind there. But when we think about our savior, the mighty God, he is a mighty warrior. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the God who never loses a battle. He's the God who never loses a fight. In fact, in Acts chapter five, it tells us, that we need to be careful lest that we fight with God. If we fight with God, we're going to lose. And so we need to understand this evening, he's a great and powerful God. Adrian Rogers, a great preacher who went on to be with the Lord, wrote this down. He said this, this little baby that was upon the straw is the mighty God of Genesis 1. This little baby who held Mary's hand as a toddler and learned to walk is the one from whose fingertips uh, 
the sun's, uh, sun's spring, um, sun sprang and oceans dripped. He is the mighty God. This little boy playing with the, with the shavings in Joseph's carpenter shop is the one who made every tree and every hill and every mountain. He is the mighty God. And then he says something else. He's not only wonderful counselor, he's not only the mighty God, but we see the paternity of Jesus Christ. He's the everlasting father. Now I like that. When I see the everlasting Father, I'm thankful that Isaiah made sure that we understood Jesus Christ and God the Father are one and the same. He speaks about the deity of God right there. Now, why is that important? Because when we get to the Gospel of John, Jesus said this in John 10:30, I and the Father are one. John 14, 9, he that has seen me has seen the Father. We see Jesus Christ as the everlasting Father. Now that's all great stuff. We look at his name. He's, he's prudence. He's wonderful counselor. He's powerful. He's the mighty God. We see his paternity, his paternal aspect. We see his everlasting Father. But the part I want to finish up on tonight, which is the title of our message, he is the Prince of Peace. We see Jesus Christ not as the power, not as a peace broker, not as a peacemaker, but he's the Prince of Peace. He's the regent of of peace, of peace. He is the ruler of peace. He is the king of peace. I want you to see some things tonight about peace. You know, if the greatest need in the world is peace, the greatest need in your heart is peace. How many of you like to have a peaceful night's sleep? Amen? Everybody likes a peaceful night's sleep. I don't know about you, but after college, I didn't care about having a roommate except for my wife. Amen, you know? And you have a roommate with somebody else that snores at night, man, it's terrible. I remember I had a business meeting several, many, many years ago when I was in business, and they sent us on this retreat and they put me with one of the managers. They said, they said, Fong, you're going to share a room with Gary. And I said, the first thing I said, Gary, do you snore? He said, not too bad. He fell asleep like that. I mean, he fell asleep. He snored through the night. And he said, what did he snore like? Like a bear that was in hibernation. I mean, it was just going off. Man, I even threw the pillow at the guy to try to wake. I couldn't even get this guy to wake. And I didn't get a wink of sleep last night. And I decided that night I don't want to, I don't want to share a room with anybody. In fact, the staff members are thankful. When we go, uh, we go on an overnight things, like maybe on a conference somewhere, I make sure all the guys get their own rooms. I don't, want them, I don't want them falling asleep during the conference. I want them to get a good night's rest there. I already have enough trouble in a hotel room on the first night by myself because I can't sleep the first night in most hotels. But listen, to have a roommate, man, God help me. You want a peaceful night's sleep, amen? You don't want to hear traffic going down the street. You don't want your neighbors next door playing the music very loud. And if you have all those problems, I'll pray for you. Amen. You know, you don't, you don't want, you don't want to have all this commotion going on. You want, you want a peaceful night's sleep. Hey, there's some times we just want to have a peaceful day. You want to just sit down somewhere. You know what I'm saying? You want to sit down somewhere and nothing's going on. You want to have your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, and uh, maybe a piece of zucchini bread or something like that there. I'm thinking about zucchini bread somebody just gave us the other day. And just, and you just want to have some peace there. Hey, sometimes when you're reading your Bible, you want peace. Can I tell you what? We're going to try to find peace and sometimes We'll, we'll do good and sometimes we won't do good. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. He gives you peace that passes all understanding. I want you to see some things about Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Notice, first of all, in verse 6, we see he's sovereign. Prince describes someone who is a ruler, a king. He's the Prince of Peace. Peace starts with him. He's the giver of peace. Charles Wesley wrote, which we just sang, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healings in his wings. The angels announced to the shepherds, they said on earth, peace 
goodwill to all men. They didn't say that that's going to come from the government. They didn't say that's going to come from a new book. They said that was coming because Jesus came into this world. Listen, if you're longing for peace tonight, come to Jesus Christ, who's the Prince of Peace. Now, why is he the Prince of Peace? Well, as we read through Scripture, Scripture validates it over and over again. He's called Jehovah Shalom. Shalom in the Hebrew means peace. Jehovah means Lord. He's the Lord of peace. He told old Gideon, who was a nervous wreck, who was nervous about everything, he said, he said, listen, I'm going to give you my peace, and you can call me Jehovah Shalom. In the Bible, we read about God calling himself, or Jesus calling himself by this title. He's the God of peace. Now, when he says he's the God of peace, he's saying, listen, I'm over all of these issues here. For instance, he says this in over there in um, Romans 16, 20. He's the God of peace who bruises Satan under our feet. If Satan's giving you trouble, if the devil's giving you problems, call on the God of peace to bruise him under your feet tonight. He's the God of peace who is with us, according to Philippians 4, 9. He's the God of peace that raised again from the dead, the Lord Jesus, Hebrews 13, 20. He is the God of peace who sanctifies us holy, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. He is the Lord of peace, according to 2 Thessalonians 3, 16. And he's the God of love and peace in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Hey, tonight, he's sovereign as the Prince of Peace. Secondly, what you notice, he's not only sovereign, but would you consider this tonight? Jesus Christ is the source of peace. Are you looking for peace? I, I grew up during the 60s. People popped pills to find peace. They didn't find it. They smoked marijuana when it was illegal to try to find it. They didn't find it. They shot themselves up with LSD. They couldn't find it. They shot themselves with, up with heroin. They couldn't find it. Can I tell you tonight? It's an elusive search. If you're trying to find peace in a relationship with some person, you're trying to find peace by getting high on drugs. You're trying to find peace by getting, getting, getting drunk on, on, on alcohol. You're trying to find peace by going off somewhere. You, you might get momentary peace, but it's not real peace. Jesus Christ is the source of all peace. Look at John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. Hey, aren't you glad when he ascended to heaven, the one of the things he left behind was peace? Amen. He left behind peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said, look, don't look to the world. I was just talking to one of our church members tonight before service. We were just doing some counsel and prayer a little bit tonight. And they said, well, you know what, the, you know, with all these things going on, it seems like the world's solution is they want you to find a, a psych psychiatrist and psychologist and all that. And what do we believe as a Christian? I said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. I believe if you want to find true peace, you've got to spend some time with God and let the Lord speak to your heart. He said in John 16, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Several years ago, Brother Ern and Brother Justin and I were in the Philippines together. We were preaching for Brother Lorena, and one of those days, one of those days he took us over to uh, where the police cadets train. And uh, when we had arrived, we didn't know what was going on because we had, hadn't seen the news for two or three days. But down in Mindanao, there had been, there had been uh, some of the, uh, they had sent some of their military men and they were, they were, they were, uh, there was a, uh, there was a, they were just set up basically. It was a very bad massacre and over 40, 40 to 45 of these young men were, were killed. It was all over the news there. It was a very bad situation. The, the nation was mourning the loss of these young men. To make things worse, the, 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 the terrorists mutilated their bodies and just, just, just the tension 
of the patriotic people in the Philippines was running high, and there was just a lot of anger, resentment. And Dr. Lorena said, Brother Fong, he says, now, we're going to go over to the police cadets. I want you to preach a salvation message. You might be able to preach up to a thousand of these cadets that are there, but I'm going to warn you, he says, they're very angry right now. These young men, they, they want to get set loose. They want to get, take revenge for what happened there, what those terrorists did to them. And he says, I just don't know what the reaction will be to you. He says, but you know, you, I, I, I'm going to pray for you that God will help you. I said, well, I'm praying right now. And Brother Justin said to me, he said, Dad, he said, he said what, what are you going to preach on here? I said, well, I only got 15 minutes, son. I said, I, I had a message already, but I'm not going to preach it. They need to hear the gospel. They need something that will calm their hearts. And we were watching. I still have the pictures on my phone. We were watching these cadets come in. I mean, they were angry. And they, these were 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds and 21-year-olds. I mean, they, and, 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 and the boys there in the Philippines, they look younger than their age there. And so they were coming in. They are carrying the flags. And they're just marching in. And they're upset. I mean, you could tell they're really, really angry. It's just like they're, they're really on edge there. And I was praying about what, what to preach. And Brother Lorena said, now I'm going to lead some songs. What are you doing? What you can preach on? I said, I got an idea there. Well, when I got up there, the Lord put on my heart John 16, 33. That verse we just read there. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. And I talked about Jesus Christ, how he's the, he's the source of all peace. And I talked about having peace with God and the peace of God. And after about 10 or 15 minutes, we gave the invitation. Listen, we had about 400 of these young men there. 300 of them trusted Jesus Christ, their Savior. They got up and sang. They wept and cried. Listen, I'm talking about young men who came in there angry and upset. They wanted to take somebody's head out. I mean, they wanted to go down to Mindanao to fight that battle and take revenge on those for those 40 that lost. And by the way, we met some other men that Sunday who were there in that battle and, had, and lost their friends in that, in that conflict there. And they were very sad. But these men that we got to preach to, we preached this verse to them, and they found the peace of God. And you can see as they got, received Jesus Christ as Savior, many of those young men that came in very angry, they walked out with a smile on their face because Jesus Christ put peace in their heart. Let me tell you tonight, if you have, you have turmoil in your heart, if you don't have peace in your heart, it's either because you're not saved or you haven't given the problem to God. And if you're not saved tonight, you must have God's peace. He's the source of all peace. Jesus Christ is that peace of peace. He said, my peace I give to you. My peace in me, you might have peace. Tonight, we can find peace for our hearts. Listen, Jesus is the source, the true source of lasting peace. And Jesus is the source, the true source uh, for peace for our hearts and peace for our homes and peace for our church and peace for our struggles that we have. So we see tonight, he's sovereign as the Prince of Peace. He's the source of, as the Prince of Peace. But notice the secret he gives. He's the secret to all peace. Now, the best kept secret for you tonight is to find the peace that God wants you to have. Amen. He wants you to find that peace this evening. Let me give you a couple of things about that. Number one, what's the secret to peace? Well, number one, he, by getting saved through salvation, you can have peace with God. Now, if you're not saved, you're not 100% sure you're going to heaven, you're not at peace with God. There's, there's enmity between you and God. And the Bible says, Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through salvation, we have peace with God. So what does God do? He removes the barrier he removes the wall between us and God and establishes peace. Christ reconciles us to God and when he reconciles us to God, there's peace with God. In Ephesians chapter two, it says this, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ for he is our peace who has made, made both one and has broken down the middle wall partition between us. You know what's the hardest thing in life is when you have friction with somebody else. When you are at odds with somebody else. And maybe it's not even your fault. They don't like you. And you can feel the tension when you just walk into the same room with them. The wall goes up. They're mad at you for something 25 years ago you don't even remember about it, man, you know? And you feel that going up. But do you know I tell you something very wonderful? 
When Jesus Christ died for our sins, he broke down that wall, that barrier, that partition, that enmity, the alienation between us and God. He broke it down and established peace between us and God. I don't know about you, but I like to be at peace with people. Amen? You want to be at peace with your neighbors, amen? You want to be at peace with your fellow church member. You want to be at peace with the person next to you, amen? You want to be at peace with the person sitting with you on public transportation, especially if you ride on BART, amen? You know, you want to have peace. You want to have peace within your family. You know, you want to be at peace with everybody you go to. You don't want to have, you don't want to have conflict with people. Jesus Christ gives us that peace between us and God. Hey, by the way, he made peace through the blood of his cross, Reconciling us to God. Notice something else here tonight. He's the secret to peace for salvation. Hey, he's the secret to peace when we're stressed out. Now, don't raise your hand, but I think all of us got a little bit of stress, amen? Holiday stress. 26, you'll be stressed out. Oh, I paid too much for that gift, you know? Uh, You'll say, oh, I can get this at a bargain, you know? Uh, You'll be stressed out. Oh, I'm not sure this is the right color, and you want to exchange it, but they ran out of the color, you know? But some of us are going to be stressed out because some of our families are going through health trials. And some of us are going to be stressed out because someone we love went home to be with the Lord earlier this year. And some of us are stressed out because we don't know what our job situation is going to be like on January 1st. We don't know if we're going to have enough money to pay the bills. Or we've got to go see a doctor and, you know, next year, we don't know if next year is going to be a, a lot of challenges health-wise. But can I tell you tonight, He's the secret to peace when you're stressed out. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, this is what he says. Be careful for nothing. Now, the word careful is an old way of saying don't get all stressed out. Don't get all anxious. Don't get all worried out on these things. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything. Now, that means everything. 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 No matter how bad it is, everything. Say it with me tonight. Everything, right? Now that everything gets pretty scary because that people say, Pastor, even this? Yeah, even that. Even in death? Yeah, even in death. Even in health trials? Yeah, health trials. Even when you've been betrayed? Yes, even when you've been betrayed. He says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In Colossians, Paul put it this way. Let the peace of God rule your heart. Let the peace of God sit on the throne of your heart. When he says passes all understanding, you know what he says there? It surpasses our comprehension. We don't know how to describe it. It's just that peace in the midst of storm. It's knowing that everything's under control, even though it feels like it's not under control. And tonight, I don't know what you're going to go through. I don't even know tonight what you're going through, but God does. And you give it to God this evening and trust him according to Philippians 4, 6, and 7 and everything committed to him by prayer and supplication and let him help you through that stress and let him, let him help you through that time of difficulty and let him just love on you a little bit tonight and realize this evening God is for you. He's not against you. One last thing we're done tonight. We'll let you go home. He's the sovereign of peace. He's the source of peace. He's the secret to peace. But he's the sufficiency for all peace. He's sufficient for all our needs. I want you to le- turn with me to this tonight. It's either in your notes or not. Turn your Bible with me to it. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3.16. This is actually a verse I'm, I'm going to preach on again when we finish of our series in 2 Thessalonians. But it's a great verse and I didn't want to overlook it tonight. But the word sufficiency means you got everything you need. You got everything you need. 
sufficient. You don't need no more because you got all you need. And Paul wrote this to a church that was stressed out. Believers that were under persecution, they had a lot of doubts. And he, and he wrote them a lot of things in this letter, 2 Thessalonians, a lot of things that were very strong. And he said this at the conclusion of verse 16. Now the Lord of peace himself. By the way, aren't you glad Jesus doesn't send a proxy or substitute? He does himself, amen? Now the Lord of peace himself give you, that's a great Christmas gift tonight, amen? Give you peace always, by all means. I like that. Peace always. Always, by all means. Now, you've got to go to him as the Prince of Peace. What does it mean to call Jesus Prince of Peace? You give him control over every matter of your life. Give him control in the decisions you've got to make. Don't live your life stressed out in turmoil, upside down, because you're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Let the Lord of Peace, as he says here, himself give you peace Always, by all means, the Lord be with you all. Tonight, he's the sufficiency of all peace that you need this evening. You might have an ER situation this week. You might, have, you might get, be, receive some very bad news this week. But let the Lord himself give you peace always, by all means, for your life. You've got to trust him to that situation. Even if it's just momentary for that time, you can trust him as the Prince of Peace. Listen tonight, I'm going to close with this. Jesus Christ is the standard for peace. The United Nations is not the standard for peace. The Nobel Peace Prize is not the standard for peace. No matter who that person might be, Jesus Christ is the standard of all peace. Can I hear an amen for that tonight? Amen? He gives great peace to them who love his law. He's perfect peace to those whose minds are stayed on him because they trust in him. Isaiah chapter 26. Christmas Eve 1914, during the First World War, the 30-mile stretch on the Western Front. And all the guns went silent. The shooting stopped between both sides, between the allies and the enemy. Soldiers from both sides looked cautiously over the tops of their trenches. And a few had enough bravery to climb over, to kind of make some repairs, recover those who were killed during the exchange of fire to try to find a place to bury them. As darkness fell, some of the German troops set up some lanterns and they did something that was totally unexpected. They were the enemy. They put some lanterns up and they started singing some Christmas hymns. Oh, come all ye faithful, hark the herald angels sing, all the traditional songs like we sang tonight. The other side, the British heard them singing in German. The British men, who just previously they were shooting bullets at the Germans and vice versa, the British stood above their trenches and started clapping. And before long, they started saying, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And then before, before he knew it, the British and the Allies, they're singing the Christmas hymn. So whatever the Germans started, and they were singing German, the British in English and, and the French, they started singing on their side. 
Both sides started singing. The next day, which was Christmas Day, the Germans, the French, and the British troops met in just kind of a centralized, neutral area. They called it no man's land. They shook hands. They shared food, which if you're a soldier, I don't know how much you could share with those, can, you know, those rations there. And they exchanged gifts with one another. People that are in enmity with each other were sharing gifts for that brief period of time. They nicknamed that, that moment, that sharing of time among those troops on that 30-mile stretch, they nicknamed it the Christmas truce. Word got back to central command of all, all those different groups there. And they said, wouldn't it be great if we can establish peace and get this war settled and have lasting peace? Great your idea. But this world will not give you lasting peace. We've had many wars, several going on right now. They're very traumatic. They have a lot of horror attached to them. A lot of wounded warriors come back. This world won't give you lasting peace. But Jesus Christ, who's the Prince of Peace, can give you lasting peace. My prayer for you this Christmas, find your peace in Jesus Christ tonight. Make peace with God. Make sure that you have the peace of God in your heart. And you have peace with God. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I can't think of a better Christmas gift than to receive Jesus tonight. And then as we, we get ready to depart and go, I'll go over some prayer requests real quickly. I want to encourage you to have a wonderful Christmas. Make plans for the new year. Ask God to do a great work in your heart. On the way out, on the way out, we want you to get a, uh, we, just, we just introduced our, our 2020 theme, and our theme is Only God. You'll see the banners, and all this will come out uh, later on, later uh, at the beginning of the year. But I want you to get one of our, our New Year's packets. We have our, our calendars here. We have a pen for you and our calendar for the year and just scripture reading and the highlights and things. Like, get, get one of these packets. If you didn't get one on, on Sunday night, get it on the way out if you would, please. And we're just trying to get these out a little bit ahead of time. We've got our gospel tracks out so you can start inviting people to heritage. And we're very excited about the theme, just centering everything on that. And uh, praying that God would just bless you in a very, very incredible way. Have a safe Christmas and enjoy your time with your family and love one another and, uh, and take some time to thank God for his goodness in your life and your families. And don't rush your time. Just have a wonderful time as you celebrate Christmas. Aren't you glad tonight Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace? Amen. Amen.